It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in today. We have been in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 over the last couple weeks, and as you know, we have a very special guest that comes into the studio. We like to pause our study and hear what God has for us through some of these special guests. And I had asked uh, this particular guest to come in because there is a real hot topic that is near and dear to my heart And so the Lord has brought to us a specialist, someone who really understands this subject matter, and her name is Ann Polk. She's the executive director, a board member of Restored Hope Network. Now, Ann brings two decades as an author, speaker, spokesperson, advocate for men and women who are struggling with unwanted same-sex attractions And her role as the executive director has had her all across the country addressing this very serious subject. In fact, she's been on Oprah, Good Morning America, the CBS Evening News, the 700 Club, even Focus on the Family, profiled by People Magazine, just to name a few. Her resume is quite extensive, and she's also authored a number of books, Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction, That was published by Harvest House Publishers, and she's also the co-author of Love One Out, which was published by Focus on the Family. Of course, if you take a look at her bio, she will tell you, even her Facebook posts that are often about her three sons and her wonderful family. She is a a mother and a a wonderful teacher, author, speaker. I'm so glad to have Ann Polk here in the studio. Ann, welcome to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. What a delight to be with you. Well, I have been looking forward to this broadcast because uh, you you have just such a powerful testimony, and I don't want to give it all away. We had the privilege to work for just a brief period of time, even at Focus on the Family, in the Love One Out ministry, and I learned so much from you, just uh, clinging to your wisdom and your powerful testimony. Could you just share with us, I know the time goes by so fast, but could you just share with us a little bit about your testimony? You bet, John. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I um, I grew up in a family of four children, mom and dad intact. We attended church. Um, so I had a pretty good start in life, given yeah. all of that compared to many people today, right? Yeah. Um, but when I was three and a half, I was sexually violated by a teenage boy. And overnight, things changed in my soul. First of all, I felt dirty. Secondly, I felt it was my fault, even though the kid was eight years older than me plus. Um, And he's a kid, but I saw him as an adult, you know, from that viewpoint. Um, I didn't even know how to tell time for that matter. And here I was exposed to things that were way beyond that age level appropriate. Mm -hmm. So overnight, literally, I felt unsafe. I felt insecure. I felt ashamed. Um, There were a lot of feelings that happened, and I became a tomboy overnight. Um, I had been playing with Barbie dolls and enjoying all that. And right alongside my mother's knee with my sister, she used to make her, she used to make her these beautiful little, uh, outfits for the Barbie. Right. And it was just so fun. We began to learn how to do that. But then I became little miss tomboy really quickly. I had nightmares and all the rest. So, um, 
I did not feel for this little girl for many years. It wasn't until I'd come to Christ that I began to work through some of the issues that arose out of that. Um, but um, three years old, grandfather passed away. I become, you know, pretty detached from my own sense of femininity and its goodness. And that actually is the crux of where lesbianism came from, um, the detachment from my own sense of well-being as a girl. Um, when I was six years old or so, a girl made a pass at me and I realized, oh my goodness, I feel in control, which was completely the opposite of what I'd felt when I was three. And, um, so that also set in motion some things, um, through junior high and high school, the culture was pretty much, uh, recognized that homosexuality was, was sin. That was like the pervasive culture of the time, that there was something off about homosexuality. And so I, my desires were buried for many years. Um, I tried to fit in with the, my girlfriends and although they went through puberty and kind of primped and, and got themselves all ready for dating boys, I pretended to fit the mold because mm. I couldn't make that jump to hyperspeed is how it felt to me. Um, God had some work to do on the internal part of my heart, but I wasn't ready to do that yet. And so I went away to college um, and decided that the God that I'd become aware of at that time, which was a very distant God, kind of a deist view, wow, yeah. uh, God made everything and then stepped away. Hmm. Um, that is not the God of the Bible. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> he actually cares about us. He, he's, he's involved in the affairs of men and women. He's involved in the activities of governments and raising nations, lowering them, nobles, raising them, lowering them, etc. I mean, that's what Scripture talks about all the time. God's intimately involved, and he cares about us deeply. And so thankfully, though I threw that false God out, the real God began to pursue me. Mm. Um, I was away at UC Santa Barbara, a freshman in college, in a dorm that was full of drugs and alcohol. <laughs> it was just like... Lord, how in the world did you invade that space? But he did. He yeah. did. Amen. And, uh, you know, I began having dreams about Jesus, telling my friends, what is going on with this? I don't want him in my dreams because <laughs> I was pursuing <laughs> homosexuality. And, uh, you know, God's good. He's Amen. very wise and he's very patient and he knows when to pursue us. He, he knows everything about us, yeah. which, of course, is true. So in the middle of that, I'm telling my Jewish friends, who I happen to have mostly around me, I'm not Jewish, but my roommate was Jewish, and so my whole surrounding, all my friendships were Jewish, and I'd confide in my Jewish friends, hey, I'm having dreams about Jesus. And they're like, oh, we don't know how to help you with this. So just a whole bunch of funny things began to happen. Uh, but then I was in the middle of pursuing homosexuality on campus. I was going to a large meeting where parents were uh, from PFLAG were going to be there, which is a mm. pro-gay movement uh, family group. There's other groups that are really authentically biblical called PFOX or uh, other groups like Restored Hope Network, which are solidly grounded in Scripture. But mm. um, that particular meeting, I was going to embrace homosexuality and figure out how to tell my parents about where I was at. Well, it turns out in the middle of that meeting, God um, spoke a word of truth to me. In the middle of this sit setting on this crazy campus that was known to be a party school in the Holy UC campus, 
system. I'm like, Lord, only you. <laughs> so he he showed up. He said, the love you're, you're looking for, Anne, you're not going to find here. And I thought, oh, I know that's true, and I don't want to hear that. Uh, but I acknowledge that that's probably true. And so I ran off and prayed, okay, God, whoever you truly are, please show up. And if there's some imposters, yeah, no, don't want to hear from them. And I gave him a laundry list of things I wanted to see happen if, if perchance whoever the true God was would answer. Mm-hmm. And um turned out that the true God was was the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth and the Christian God, right? Uh-huh. Jewish heritage. Um, and wouldn't you know, I got involved in an evangelism training ca- class on campus because all the questions I was asking was were relevant to that class, a Baptist student movement <laughs> campus. <laughs> anyway, crazy stuff. Wouldn't you know, the Lord shows up in that final thing, I'm pretending to be a Christian without yet surrendering my life to him, and he showed me he was in the room, uh, that this person of incredible power and kindness Incredible power, but incredible mercy and kindness Amen. was present. That's who he is. That's right. That's who he shows himself to be throughout Scripture, and it's solidified in the person of Jesus. And that's the very nature of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to punish us. He took the punishment that we deserve on himself so that we could be reconciled to God, right? I mean, that is the very character of the one I serve. That night I surrendered my life to Christ, and— um, I became a new creature, and I didn't struggle for a while, and then I struggled a whole lot after mm. about a month, uh, six months to a year. And at that point, I really needed God to move in my life to do more than I could accomplish through Bible study, accountability, and prayer. I mean, I had all those things going, mm. but I needed some extra help, and he began to help me walk through some of the, the pains of the past so that I could emerge into the woman of God I am today. Um, and will be yet tomorrow. <laughs> He's still at work in my life, right? Praise God. Yeah. So that's a little snippet of my story. Wow. It, it is such an encouragement. I, I know you've already encouraged some out there right now because we, we've got a lot to talk about as it relates to the holiday season. But before we get into some of the questions that have been asked of me here in the studio, uh, even at our church, uh, which was really a, a, an eye-opener for me of how many parents have a lot of questions about this uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Ann Polk, and she's the executive director of Restored Hope Network. Just shared a little bit about her testimony. And uh, Ann, uh, before we get into some of these questions, could you just tell, just in brief, a little bit about Restored Hope Network? You bet. We were founded in 2012, and we're a network or a coalition of member ministries across the U.S. who agree with theological standards, standards of behavior, uh, leadership standards. Mm. Um, and positions on what the scripture says about marriage, et cetera. And so we're an aligned group of people aligned to the scripture um, throughout the U.S. And we have friends um, as well, but we've vetted all these folks that are part of this coalition. Um, and it's our delight to be to be uh, wisely directed by the an eight-person board of directors that are actively involved, et cetera. Anyhow, the the cool thing is there's support for families and there's support for people who don't want to be gay or they're dealing with transgender desires or homosexual desires and they want to align with their faith. Well, that's what we're here for. 
That's uh, what we do. It's a powerful ministry. And I know it doesn't come without some friction. I mean, certainly some adversity in the culture. Uh, you've been a bit of a lightning rod for that, even <laughs> though you stand so boldly for Jesus Christ. We know that that would come. He tells us that in Matthew chapter 10. And certainly you remain steadfast and faithful in that. And you're a champion uh, for just reaching out with the love of Jesus Christ to help so many who are, are struggling, maybe in their gender identity, maybe in their, their desire sexually for another of the same gender. Uh, you have been an advocate to help introduce them to Jesus Christ. I, I love that. Well, I'm just, I'm just grateful myself. Yeah, <laughs> so sharing what I've been given. We're all sinners saved by grace. Um, let me just give you the tough question to kick us off with here. I mean, we're already halfway in. <laughs> I'm just getting into some of the questions. But um, there have been a number of questions presented to me, even by the radio program here, that as families are now ready to spend these holiday times together, uh, we've just had Thanksgiving, and now Christmas is coming upon us, some Hanukkah or whatever they may be ready to, to observe together as families um, these several individuals have now come to me. Individuals, I had no idea that they were going through some of these things in their personal life. Um, individuals of prominent positions even here in Colorado Springs, and they came to me and they asked that they're about ready to engage with their children and found out that their child had decided to embrace a homosexual lifestyle. And the child then wants to bring their partner with them to a holiday family get-together. So they want to have a meal together, bring their partner with them. And these parents then are coming to me almost with the, 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 the you know, shock factor, first of all, but also wanting to know, what should I do? They don't want to compromise their faith, nor do they want to reject their child. And they don't want to appear to endorse the decisions that the child has made. This was a big one. Even for a pastor, I needed some wisdom, so I've turned to you then. Help us as listeners even right now, this program, how do we even answer a question like that in five minutes or less? But what, what's some advice you can give to these parents? Well, first I'd like to say is you don't have to compromise your love for your child or your commitment to Christ. Amen. Both of those go hand in hand. In fact, the the most effective love is when it's aligned with God's love, right? Amen. And so number one, there is no choice between uh, one or the other. Right. It's both and. Um, serving Jesus and loving your family. So, um, starting with that understanding, um, how do we how do we share the love of Christ? Well, it depends. Uh, is the person a committed believer? Have they had a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, are they are they claiming to um, belong to Him and they're involved in sin, sexual sin? That's right. what homosexuality is, along with many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, adultery. Um, and y- there's a whole bunch of options for sexual sin. Um, do we stop loving somebody? No, if they're involved in that. But do we call them to a higher and better purpose that God has in mind? Yes. So um, people have said, you know, uh, don't avoid people who are of the world uh, Paul wrote this, in fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 5, what business it is, is it of mine to judge those outside the church, right? right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody's not claiming Christ, then it's not really a conflict. You want them to come to know the love of Jesus. And um, that may encompass some of the listeners and families that are going on here. Another one is to, what if your loved one is a believer, claims Christ, and is living in sin, Okay, well, what do you do if your son or daughter is living with their heterosexual partner? 
mm-hmm. and they're not married. Well, you have a good conversation off to the side. You talk about it. You um, say, you know, son or daughter, this is this is my concern, and um, and you you deal with that. You begin right. to converse with them, communicating your love at the same time. Um, John, we were talking before all of this about First Corinthians and how Paul had to confront the church about accepting sin in its ranks and not dealing with sin. So I think, uh, and then Second Corinthians about Paul having to work super hard to regain their trust after mm-hmm. confronting sin. And honestly, I think that uh, word of wisdom from Paul that we can learn from that experience from him is that if we're going to confront anything, we need to surround it with love at the beginning, love in the middle, love at the end, and a little bit of confrontation along the way. Some parents think they have to talk about it every single time they see their child, and that's not really the case. Um, It's better to go, hey, son or daughter, um, I am concerned about this, but do it privately, have that conversation privately, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to wrestle through as your parent my love for you and and the fact that you're involved in sin. Mm-hmm. And this is what the scripture says. And then have that theological discussion with them as well. Where is the condition of your heart? I want you to serve Jesus, you know. And um, so I, I think it's really engaging them on a personal level. Yeah. And, you know, some people feel very uncomfortable, even if it's like the perfect situation, mm. um, but neither their child nor their um, the child's partner knows Jesus, and um, they feel uncomfortable inviting them into their home. Well, okay, it's important. If, if you feel uncomfortable having somebody who doesn't know Jesus into your home um, who's involved with your, your child, then it's better to talk about that and not have it occur in in right in your face because everybody's going to feel uncomfortable. Better to talk about it with the person and, hey, I'm really wrestling through this, but I want you to know I'm for you and I love you and I'm praying for you daily yeah. um, or whatever is true That's about right. that. Um, and, and, and to that point, I, I mean, it, it does seem, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Christians tend to treat certain sins perhaps as greater than others, shunning certain groups more so than others. We we tend to have, a, I don't know whether some sort of a litmus test or even a hierarchy of these sins are uh, the worst of the worst, while these down here are not so much. Of course, James tells us if we break one, we've broken all of the commands of God, and really the great equalizer of uh, there is none without sin, uh, for all have sinned and fall right. short of the glory of God. I understand, and I think that uh, you know, Second Timothy chapter two really gives us some clarity on on how we stand firm in love, how we stand firm not without. We do not compromise. We stand firm in grace, but mm-hmm. to have an intent that we would even snatch some out of the snare or trap of the devil. That's that right. That is our intention. Is evangelist even, and how we go forth with intentionality. But you addressed a little bit there of the fact that sometimes Christians can be well-meaning, even Christian parents can feel like, okay, I, I'm standing firm in truth and yet lacking in the love department or grace with the right. intent of winning them to Jesus. Right. There just seems to be more of a legalistic Bible thumping going on. I'm going to beat you over the head with Scripture and and let the Lord tend to your heart as opposed to finding the way, Lord, open the door where I can speak to their heart exactly. with truth. 
How do you counsel people that sometimes well-meaning Christians can almost be a detriment to some of the good work you're doing? Well, I think <laughs> I think sometimes we yes we miss the heart, and I think I think Jesus starts by winning hearts. I mean, right. that's where he love is what leads the way, and I've seen this happen over and over and over and over again of people being one to Jesus. Rosaria Butterfield's another good example of that. A pastor mm. bringing her into his home. Just sharing the love of Jesus. She was a, a very liberal lesbian at one of the Ivy League schools, right? right? How awesome is that? And over time, he won her not because of his judgment, but because of his love and kindness towards her. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the Christians were demonstrating more love than what's found in the, in the gay and lesbian community. They have community, but as soon as you step out of line with any of their ideology, any of their ideas— you can be rejected in mass, and then you're in no man's land. Right. That's a scary place to be. Expendable a little bit, really. If you're really expendable. Agenda, you're, you're out. Yeah. You are out. You right. are out. There's no grace there. Yeah. Um. And and people have found that over and over again, even within political hmm. uh, things. So I think we have a lot to offer as Christians. We have a God of grace. We've experienced that kindness. Hmm. Refresh in your mind what God has forgiven you of. And and remember the love that he lavished to win you to himself. And that's what he needs and he wants to do right. related to your child and their partner. That person may never have heard the gospel or seen it or experienced it or felt it. And this is a chance to win some people to Jesus. Yeah, amen. And, and acknowledge that, yeah, not one of us is perfect, right. uh, but some are surrendered and some aren't. And... Um, and his love is very winsome. Amen. And I think some of, as you've mentioned, 1 Corinthians, we've talked a lot about 1 Corinthians on this broadcast, and, and the instruction of the church is so important that it, it wasn't just for around 60 AD. It's right. just as relevant today. And I think that sometimes we get so fixated on, on sections like 1 Corinthians 5, or we're you know told, don't even fellowship, don't have a meal with somebody who's in, in disobedience. And and to your point at the end of 1 Corinthians 5, as he addresses, well, there there are those who were ministering to as evangelists, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, to go in all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, right? there, There's an intentionality that he addresses clearly in 1 Corinthians 8, where they were caught up in that, I cannot eat this meat that's being offered to me at a dinner table, uh, because it may have been used in some sort of idol worship practice. Eh? What they were doing was buying the food that was cheaper at the market that may have been used right. in that particular ritual. And uh, he said, you're kind of, you're missing the whole point here. It's not about whether or not you're holding to the law of do not eat this food. It's You're going to turn them off because now you're so caught up in don't eat this food right. or the burden that you've missed the evangelistic opportunity that's right before us. I think a lot of Christians get caught up in that, though, right? That we I do. We don't yeah, want to compromise in any way, and we feel like we're if we're, we're guilty if we compromise, and rightfully so. We should not be compromising truth, but we find that love in this very tolerant society, uh, it's real love. Is, is this really? The, the, <laughs> I mean, this seems to be this issue. We we talk love, 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 which seems to be laced with compromise, compromise, compromise. So. How do you, I mean, just in a, a brief word or two, how do you encourage Christians out there to say you can you can be steadfast in truth without any compromise and yet so 
model the love of Jesus to where you are winning hearts for him. Maybe I just said it right there, but I think you what, did. What are some <laughs> what are some encouraging words you give to believers out well, there? Well, you know, just keep in mind that your loved one or those that you see around you may have had cultural Christianity. They may mm. not have really experienced the kindness of God. And so they are, they are in need of knowing the one who saves. Yeah. And um and that's a winsome perspective. I really think that I, I just think we have to keep the door open. If the folks at UC Santa Barbara and the Baptist student ministry had not let me in, I would never have come to know Jesus and surrendered my life to him. And Amen. so there are so many precious people. They need to know we love them. And yes, uh, public displays of affection could be challenging, especially with little ones around. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talking with your kids and saying, yeah, so-and-so thinks they want to marry their person of the same sex. That is kind of unusual, isn't it? Um, these days, it's not so unusual. It's pretty commonly coming at kids in every TV program. Everybody's been exposed to this topic. So what they haven't been exposed to is God's perspective in a loving, winsome way. That's right. We are the light in dark places after yeah. all. And uh, we we dare not hide it. We are of, I think there's a great commendation that's outlined there in Matthew chapter 10 of being bold in truth, even as sheep among wolves, that as you have uh, endured time and time again, you continue to put yourself out there, Lord, use me, no matter the rejection that might come or the adversity, in our just brief few seconds together. For those of you who may have tuned in late, uh, I've been talking with Ann Polk, who's the executive director of Restored Hope Network. Uh, and how how do they get in touch with you? I mean, there may be some folks right now who are listening going, I have a number of questions. How do they reach out to you? They can reach out to me through RestoredHopeNetwork.org. Hmm. That's RestoredHopeNetwork.org. Wow. Well, thank you, Ann, for being on the program today. Thank it you, goes John. by way too quick. Uh, but I know you have been so accessible to each and every question. As they come in, you treat each person with individuality. Uh, they're not just a number with your ministry. Right. I love that. Uh, you're very sensitive to the heart of what they're going through and how they're trying to process some. Sometimes maybe it all hits them so quickly, they just don't know what to do. And and right now we need to be, need to be equipped perhaps more than ever as believers with an ever-changing landscape around us, not unlike what the Corinthian church was going through, but maybe very different for us. Uh, some who've come out of very traditional homes and now trying to je- adjust to the ever-changing landscape. So you have continued to stay right there, stand on the front lines. We praise God for you. So thank you again for being on Engage in Truth. John, thank you so much. Well, again, if you are just picking up there late, uh, Ann Polk has been my very special guest here on Engage in Truth. You can learn more about the ministry of Restored Hope Network at RestoredHopeNetwork.org. This is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. If you are looking for a fellowship just to come and go deeper into God's Word with other believers and find community as you do so, you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we have gatherings throughout the rest of the week as well. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends.